Good evening and welcome to the All Portable Discussion Zone, everybody. My name is Charlie, November Juliet 7 Victor, and uh, with us today uh, is Brian, W7JET, and Dan, KC7MSU, our co hosts. And we have a special guest today, Christian Claiborne, N1CLC. We welcome hey him as well. Thank you. Uh, and of course, as always, we have the uh, characters in the uh, chat room. I've already been talking to them a little bit. Thank you for being here. And if you have any questions, uh, go ahead and throw those in the, in the chat room and we'll uh, try to address them when they come up. So first, uh, let's get caught up on what's been going on over the past couple weeks since we last met. And uh, we kind of do this every time we come on, Christian. We just kind of, you know, the last two weeks, and I actually haven't even thought about it much, but uh, just, just, just Friday, I, I went ahead and uh, did a couple of peaks up in Flagstaff. I hadn't planned on it, but I just kind of went up there and did uh, uh, activated RS Hill and Government Hill, kind of a double, and then uh, came on back. I, I did pretty good on the first hill. I, I uh, had about, what was it? I had four uh, European contacts and seven or eight summit to summits. And uh, I think I might have even did a peak the week before um, in there, but I kind of have to look at my calendar because I can't quite remember exactly what I've done over the past two weeks other than just work a lot and uh, a few summits here and there. But uh, Dan, what have you been up to? Well, it's a lot of work, but uh, did make it out uh, weekend before uh, with Brian. We did Bigelow Mountain, uh, which was really nice up there. Got a few pictures to uh, <laughs> share with the group uh, once we come around. And uh, other than that, just kind of playing the work game. Cool. All right, Brian. So I've started uh, test driving the uh, the wing here now that it's free from its uh, bonds. I've stopped to wear up a uh, a splint. I got this uh, a super cool removable thing now to protect it because I'm told when I'm out in public doing high risk things, I need to wear that. So I got dragged Dan out and we test drove it on, on Bigelow and I was able to send CW reasonably well uh, as compared to normal and uh, right. So that was two important things and worked to pile up on 20 meters, which is a good time. And um, then uh, I did a, a solo summit, uh, actual walking one, uh, the one of the new ones and that we picked up with the, with the realignment. And it's an eight pointer, beautiful summit. One of my favorite in town, close to the uh, close to town summits. And that was a blast. I had 52 contacts up on top of that hill and, and works some DX. And um, the band conditions are definitely getting better. It's just a beautiful day. I probably could have spent the entire day up there. So it, it's been a good week and working through things. And I had uh, spent a little bit of time this weekend playing in the uh, the sideband sweepstakes contest, which is a lot of fun as well. Oh, cool. Good. All right, Christian. So what we'll do is just uh, you can give us a uh, a little brief of what you've been doing over the past few weeks, or just uh, last little bit, and then we'll kind of roll into our interview with you. How's that? Sounds good. Yeah, I think the last few weeks really just trying to grab some soda when I can. Um, a couple weekends ago we had rain, so it wasn't any then, but uh, been hooking up with another ham, WCWS, and we hit Hot Springs Mountain last weekend, and then this uh, yesterday I was up on uh, Tule. Mount Tule uh, out on the East County of San Diego. Wow. So, and uh, also saw another ham up there while he was testing some uh, antennas. You've been busy, yeah, Chris. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have been on uh, several joint activations with Chris for our viewers and uh, really it's been a good relationship that we've, uh, we've grown together and, and uh, I, I've really appreciated some of the, uh, the activations we've done. So I, I'm happy that he's on board here today and, 
and uh, talk to the rest of you a little bit about he's got he's an interesting person and so we're, we're, I'm looking forward to to having him share a few things with us so uh, I, you have a you have a uh, slide to share right or a slide deck of some sort um I do I can run through that and um know what exactly you'd want to hit but I could share the screen and do that okay well I mean I have some questions and I think the other guys do as well but we could just start with a with your slides and see how they go as far as, uh, we, and as, as you go along, maybe we can just interject some of the questions that we have. Okay. So the host has disabled screen sharing in this case. But now it's open. Okay. <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> Charlie is a benevolent dictator. Uh, I know. He's a, he's a control freak, right? A absolutely. It's all about Charlie. <laughs> all right, are you seeing? Are you seeing what I'm showing here about Chris? Yeah, I got to resize it, I think, though. All right, as long as there you're seeing go. the slide deck, I got the right monitor. I got three monitors here, so. <clears throat> yep, um, we see it. Just a quick background on me. I mean, I, I'm fairly new ham, actually, com probably compared to the most of the folks that you have here. But at the end of 17, I got my license. And then I found out how horrible my home station is. So it was. I really started laughing when I had so much RF here. And uh, I learned about summits on there, and then I just, I just took a crack at it. I saw some videos uh, by WG0AT, and um, then went at it with with a really crazy setup, and it worked. Um, so, so Chris, third time. Uh, so, are you saying that the way you you found out about summits on the air was was uh, via a video, a YouTube video, then? Yeah, well, I was I not sure how I ran across it, but um, yeah, it's W. Um, G0AT, uh, Steve, uh, the guy with the goats. Yeah. And then I watched him. It's like, well, geez, I could probably do that. It looks like a lot of fun. So I bought an 817, an MFJ, like bare copper wire dipole, that super springy stuff, which is like the oh, yeah. worst possible thing you can bring in the field. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible. I mean, it was really laughable, but I got the station set up, got it working. I, you know, I bought a, um, a push-up hole, and I just went for it. Um, I didn't. I thought you only needed three contacts, and that came to bite me later. And I didn't know anything about spotting, so um, I got the station up and running. And some guys walked by and they said, "Hey, you talking to Japan?" I said, "Well, no. Yeah, I'm just working on ham radio here." And about five minutes later, I heard this uh, JA call. I thought, you know, that sounds like a Japanese call sign. Of course, I didn't know anything about ham radio. So I, I tried to go for it and the guy came back to me and he couldn't believe I was only running five watts. I'm like, this is really cool. And I was totally hooked, wow. you know, five watts into Japan on sideband. This was your wow. first activation? That was my first activation. Wow. Gods <laughs> were with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the soda gods were right there with me. So that was awesome. You know, I got some contacts and I thought, hey, this is cool. I'm, I'm totally so. Um, the rest is history, and I've got a bunch of summits on here on the slide. Um, I got a, you know, a few first activations. It did get me into hiking. I've lost some weight doing this, but uh, I've hiked. Well, I'm, I can add a few more miles on there, but over 800 miles, climbed almost 200,000 feet since I started Soda. So um, cool. This is just some of my antenna setups. I'll run through these real quick. This is my first. I think this is my very first setup. You can see I kind of tied a rope off the back of this thing and then just ran ran the dipole off of it. And uh, yeah, it worked pretty well. 
let me see if I can display this bigger here for, for people. There we go. Um, so yeah, and then I, I bought one of these Yaggies, uh, an Arrow Yaggie. And oh, I got up one morning, wanted to use it. I had forgotten to go to Home Depot. And it's like, I just took a bunch of uh, painter's tape and taped it onto my hiking pole. Worked pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, you just make do with what you have. Um, these are some of the just examples of me out in the field. Um, the middle one is the first time I'd done DMR only activation. I thought I'd give it a try. How'd that go? That was awesome. There's there's a really active DMR community here, and I just hit one of the repeaters, and I was just started out just I'll test it, and um, he comes. Oh yeah, I wanted to do a simplex contact, and so we did a bunch of tests around San Diego off of peaks, and did a comparison between VHF and DMR off of a few summits, and he put that into a, a video that he did on on DMR to show. Because, you know, VHF gets to a point where you can't make out anything. Um, whereas DMR comes not full studio quality, but you switch to DMR and it's full full copy. No problem. Wow. So you're saying that in, in some cases, DMR works better than FM. It does. Yeah. yeah. You get a little bit more range um, with it. And we've, we've proven <clears throat> that with the tests that we've done so far with 70 centimeter switching to seven, 70 centimeter um, FM. So... Cool. Yeah. So do you think it's going to catch on DMR wise for soda like VHF FM is now, or do you think it'll no. be a long time before that happens just because of where DMR is? I, I just, you know, I'd love to, but I just don't ever see it happening. Um, VH, VHF FM is so unbelievably uh, prevalent. Right. That I just don't ever see it being unseated. It is a heck of a lot of fun. Um, to use the repeaters and everything um, and the ability to like I went to Florida one time brought my HC with me just to play with it and there was a DMR repeater there and I turned over to the talk group hit the transmit which causes the repeater to auto subscribe to the talk group and boom I was talking to my pals here in San Diego so there's a lot of cool a lot of cool things about it but no I don't I don't see that happening um, I got into CW. We can talk a little bit more about that, but here's the, uh, here's my loadout and you can get to a little bit more detail about my loadout here at ham, whoops, excuse me, hamninja.com slash loadout. And that'll give you kind of the lowdown skinny on all the stuff that I have, um, a little bit more of a write-up. This is just more or less a, a list of some of the things I carry, swap in, swap out my main, you know, everyday carries the KX2. It's, I think it's a magic radio, uh, but I got an 817 and 891. Um, I'll bring the 891 when I want to run QRL. I'll still do that. But I did that for about a year with a much bigger battery. Um, push up pull. Um, the antenna that I use right now really is it's K6 ARK. It's a random wire, um, plugs right into the end of the KX2, and it it's killer because. You just, I just change frequencies, bands, hit the auto tune and just go for it. And I've worked Belgium, Spain. Um, I work New Zealand with it all the time. So it, it seems to get out pretty well. <laughs> That's nice. Um, yeah. So there's a list of some of the things I carry. Um, again, you can go out to the, my loadout page. There's my home station on the right-hand side. And then my uh, summer home on the left-hand side. I go up to Eastern Arizona up there by Alpine. 
And uh, hang on one second. My neighbor has the yeah, I can hear that blower out. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Gotta love it. He generally waits until you know the sun sets before he starts working on his yard. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a fun. I mean, I use Hamalert all the time. I don't know if you if you guys have done a presentation on Hamalert, but if your viewers aren't aware of it, they ought to go and check it out. It's a really great way to keep on top of. These are some of my friends that I I track maybe and. And I got Charlie in there, so whenever he's activating, my phone starts buzzing and my watch starts buzzing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I've yeah, not they... used Hamalert much. I've I had it on my phone for a bit, but then I I just use the a, a comparable app, uh, which is just the Soda app, you know. But um, this is this more robust than that? Um, no, yeah. this yeah, this thing's totally cool because you set up alerts just for the people that you want to know when they're on Soda or just RBN. Um, I use it mainly just for soda, but I think a lot of guys like up in the LA area basin, you can set a soda um, region and then, you know, particular regions that are near them, they know they can hit with VHF and anybody that, act, that um, spots in that area, they'll get an alert and they'll come chase. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I do it on the, on the soda app as well. So maybe it is pretty similar. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It runs on your phone and, you can send the alerts to your phone, your watch, your all kinds of stuff. So yeah, these uh, yeah, it's a lot easier to set up the. Uh... Go, ahead, Charlie. No, I was just saying uh, it's, it's uh, probably pretty similar, and and uh, that's all I was going to say. It's just it's nice to have either option on your phone. Yeah, and the ham alert's really easy to set up on the on the ham alert website too, and it's very granular and very quick to set up. So I, I do like that that particular app. Yeah, it's it's cool. That's I mean that's how I'm tracking all my my soda buddies. Um, we could get into this, but you know I have I have a full presentation, but um, I wrote something specifically on safety. And you can't my my theory is you can't make this hobby safe, but you can mitigate the risk. So um, I've got a whole that's part of my presentation, but you can go out and check that out. Uh, and, I, I um, agree with that for sure. That's a that's a true statement in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So here's some of the, the 10 essentials uh, that I carry and there's, there's more out there. The picture on the far right kind of precipitated a, the, the article that I wrote. That was one of my more interesting uh, hikes uh, up on, I think it's Taylor right in New Mexico, right there on the border, Charlie. Uh -huh. And um, I was setting up my antenna, just did one of those trip and kind of sit falls. It wasn't anything big. Uh, except I came down on a branch sticking out of a pine tree and impaled the back of my leg. So um, I patched myself up, activated that mountain because there's no way I was going up without activating, of course. Mission first, right, Charlie? Mission first. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got, got patched up. It, was a, it took a trip into the doctor, so... Um, What's interesting is that's the same mountain that I did my mountain goat on a year later. Uh, so this year, I just I chose that one to do the mountain goat uh, just because it was close and it was a it was a good uh, challenging hike. Shall we say? Yeah. Uh, a lot of fallen stuff up there. Um, I've got a 
One of the things I did is I noticed a lot of ham videos are like most of mine, which is the kind of the glory part of it is hitting the trail, um, doing the activation, the fun, the fun part around kind of operating the radio and then hiking back down. But they were all leaving out um, what the heck is soda? Um, how do we do our planning and choosing a summit and charting that out and getting there? Um, and so I did a whole series on soda called Soda 360 that is if you're new to soda, um, it might be good because it takes you through all the steps, including a reference activation and then how to log your points and some other things. Uh, I did a video on chasing, a deep dive into charting, um, even through a, I'm a new CW operator, but I came up with a way to kind of improve my copy speed. So I did a video on that. So it's out there um, under hamninja.com slash soda360. You'll put you right on that uh, learning series. And I've seen all those videos, and I would endorse it and highly recommend, uh, especially if you're new, watching that. Even even if you're not new, there's some great tips in there that I uh, didn't even know about. So that's cool. Cool. Yeah, I've yeah, had a lot, a, lot of guys, a lot of guys tell me that's helped them out. And that was the whole point is to help other hams like people have helped me. I've had a lot of people help me, and, and I thought, well, this might be a way I can give back as well. So thought I'd do that um, and just a I don't know if you guys how much you guys have talked about CW and and not much the only reason why I learned CW is because of soda I wanted to chase a lot of summit to summits well when you bring up the spot in the spot list most of those guys are running CW and I couldn't chase them right so um, I'm like okay I'm gonna learn CW and yeah, it was painful, but if you stick with it, it is a heck of a lot of fun. And I think the the other big takeaway is I have never been skunked running CW in 10 watts. Um, and I don't think I ever will be. If, if you can get spotted, you can get a whole bunch of contacts with CW and you can work, of course, a lot farther into Europe and New Zealand. Uh, I've gotten to Japan Summit to Summit with it. Um, that no way you could do that with sideband in these conditions. Now, as things improve, it should get better, right? Yeah. Yeah, you so, know, um, I started out uh, sideband only, and I know Dan, he's he did, he's just, he's still sideband right now, right, Dan? Yep. And I don't know about Brian, how you started out, but you probably knew CW already, right? No, I, well, I was learning CW. I was kind of at the, the point of, I need to do this, but I'm afraid. So, I would do the phone activations and then when the guys in the valley couldn't hear me, I go they'd sit through some really bad CW so they can get the uh, the points. And then little by little as I started building co my confidence and then realized that an HB1B is a lot lighter than an 817 to carry. I ended up switching over and doing mostly CW after that, but it it more or less took some time. Yeah, yeah, my first year I think it took me two and a half to get to go and my first year I think it, it was all sideband and FM. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing though. Once you do get going, and and of course my CW is still pretty nasty, but um, <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing good. what people will, will put up with uh, to get a point, a, a soda chaser. <laughs> no, I. Well, we'll see how that goes once I finally get out on a hill with CW, and we'll see how that really plays out. <laughs> yeah, Roger in the chat room, he also was mentioning that he's he's. Uh, Learning CW as a chaser because he, he, I think he hasn't, he, I can't speak for him, but I think he, he feels like, uh, 
you know, it's easy, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, Chris, there's a lot of people out there running CW only. And if, if you're a chaser, then you have to know CW, obviously, to get uh, get those contacts. And so Roger said he's going to, he's trying to, to get to the point where he can, he can chase with CW. So, yeah, I, I think it's really important. I think it's, it's, it's that next step, you know, and you can, uh, next, what is it? I think it's, yeah, in, in two weeks, uh, we're going to have some guests on uh, this show. Uh, and um, one of them is named Bob, and I can't remember his call sign. I think it's K O N R, I think it is, or something, or N O N O something R. I'm sorry, Bob, but he did the whole uh, goat um, with uh, FM. He did he did the whole thing with wow. FM. So uh, you know, it'll be interesting to talk to him. So you know, that's a neat thing about the hobby too is if you can go up there with an HT and and that's all you run, and that's fine. Um, if you're out in the boonies in Arizona, that's a little bit tougher. Um, I, I, there's, I mean, up in Eastern Arizona, there's nobody up there with, that's going to hear me, but, yeah. um, I, you know, any of your, anybody that's on, I mean, I really encourage you to give it a try because it's really low risk, especially for chasing, because all you need to do is be able to send your call sign and recognize it when it comes back. Um, and then when it does come back, um, all you need to be able to send is you are five N N doesn't make any difference what a signal report is because you're just learning. <laughs> right. And um, that's it. That's it. I mean, and, and the guy will say 73 with a couple of dits and you send him a couple of dits and you're done. And you just did your CW, um, you know, exchange, a QSO, and it's super low risk. It get, builds your confidence and it's, it's really an easy way to do that. Yeah. Mike AK1, he says these soda how-to videos are an outstanding tool. He's been doing yes. soda since 2014, and he said there were some amazing videos out there on starting up uh, that weren't available when he started. So Mike says that you know they, that uh, you know we've come a long way as far as providing information out here for people who who want to start. Then, yeah, yeah, that's really helped me. And of course, you know, uh, K6ARK Adam has been a huge help for me, and he he got me. He's the one who suggested, hey, just try chasing. That'll get your confidence up. And of course, that the first time I spotted with CW, it was super scary because you get a, a pile up. That's that's kind of the weird thing about learning CW and soda. If you spot yourself with, with CW, to get a huge pile up. But what I've found um, is every single ham out there has been super supportive and they'll wait, they'll slow down. Um, nobody's ever complained. Um, I, I sent out emails for a while and say, Hey, you know, geez, sorry, I, I screwed up your call sign. And people are like, just stay with it. Nobody, it, you know, it's just a hobby. So yeah, super nice. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did like, notice on uh, the reflector just, uh, it just was posted probably a day or two ago about over in Europe there, there was somebody complaining about, um, not slowing down people like uh, chasers sending their, their call sign, like. 30 words a minute or whatever to the to the activators and not slowing down to their speed and I mean you know that happens everywhere on occasion but I think that for the most part everybody that does soda is courteous and knows that uh, that we should you know operate at the speed of, of you know we try to match the speeds as best we can and and uh, if not then you it's it's just kind of it's kind of douchey really <laughs> well you you don't get your you don't get your chase I mean if you can't slow down after the third or fourth um, question mark that I send back to you. I'm just not, you know, it's just Ignore not going to happen for you. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to work yeah, you, but especially for a newer C-dub op and stuff. I mean, I would think that that would be terribly frustrating to have somebody constantly come at you at a much higher speed than what you can handle and then not 
you know, bother to slow down for you. What I end up doing when I have a guy that comes back at me like a machine gun at a speed that's way faster than I can copy, I just ignore him. I just let him keep calling and I, I purposely work everybody else. Yeah. Eventually they slow down or they go away. Um, yeah. But that hasn't happened in a long time. Early on when I was still pretty new to CW and I think 14 words a minute was about my threshold, I had some people coming back at me pretty fast and it was just way too fast for me. I'd send Q, you know, I'd, I'd send QRS and and sometimes they would slow down and sometimes they wouldn't. Yeah, and I put in my spot, I'll put big spacing, please. Because yep. I use the Farnsworth method. Yeah. I saw I saw your when you were uh, did that activation the other day, I saw that and I think I, I slowed everything down for you because I'm pretty sure we worked when you were out on Friday, I think it was. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 And sometimes, you know, I can just pick them right up and then sometimes it's like um, you know, you're gonna have to send it a couple times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I'm getting there. Um, my copy speed at the practice, anyway, is around 20 plus words a minute. But you know, when you get out there, you get nervous, and then of course the QRM is crazy. Right. Uh, when you have a pile up, so <laughs> sometimes yes. it takes four or five times. Uh, but you just keep at it, and uh, you know the cool thing is all the operators I've ever run into, they they're totally supportive. They get it, they slow down, and they move on. So. Um, this is just a little bit about my uh, website, hamninja.com, kind of some stuff that's out there. Um, I do some equipment reviews and some other things when I can. Um, oh, Charlie asked me, he said, you know, what are your most favorable, uh, memorable summits? And certainly Turner Peak and uh, my little crash up there was interesting. Um, I did a hike with uh, Charlie and this is no kidding. That is one of my most memorable is going up to Baldy we did the Baldy Loop, which is going up the East Baldy Trail and then coming down the West Baldy Trail. Yeah, um, and I tell you, one of my most memorable a, as well. It was a, just a, such a fun trip. Yeah, yeah, it was a great time. Um, great, great views from up there. The fires are going on, so we didn't get the we didn't get the best views, but it was the awesome. Trails up there looked really wonderful too. I mean, yeah, I I like the the wooded nature, and it just looked like a really great trail. And oh it, yeah, and it wasn't really steep. I would say anywhere really. I mean, it was pretty gradual. It was just, it was just such a great trip. Yeah, I think it was like four miles. You got to go up twelve hundred feet or something, Charlie. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. what it was, but it, it's not a whole lot of elevation gain. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And then I recently went up to uh, Washington to visit with my son. But there's a couple of hams that I know that are up there from my Slack group, and uh, I said, "Hey, can we? Can I go <laughs> on a hike with you guys?" and they're like, oh, yeah. And so we did a couple summits. Um, this was the second one, but it was it was just memorable because it's like I kind of laughed. I'm standing in the snow, uh, got my rig kind of piled on my backpacks, leaning on a little tree there. And I'm just hammering out CW, standing there, getting a bunch of contacts, working a pile up down. And uh, that was a heck of a lot of fun going with those guys and seeing how they did their setup. Um, and they shared a radio. One guy had a HF and they they'd run CW and then the other guy would they'd have one HT between them I think and uh, they get they get a whole bunch of contacts and they're huge chasers. Uh, was this so, was this with the? Uh, uh, if you're talking, Charlie, you really ought to go off mute. Was this with Daryl and uh, Josh? Yeah. 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 Well, hey, they're going to be on on this stream here too, probably in about a month. Cool. Well, sweet. I look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, ask them what they thought of, uh, you know, thought of my hiking abilities. <laughs> I'll be sure to. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I gave uh, Daryl a hard time. 
but th that guy, he's a, he's a good, I tell you. So I think my most memorable time ever, though, will be I was up in eastern Arizona. I, my place is right there in the Alpine area. And I did 20 summits in basically nine days of hiking. Uh, I took one day to work off to work on the house. So those are all the summits that I hit. Um, I was up there by myself and basically did nothing but soda. You know, I'd been, it was in May, end of May, perfect weather. It was nice and cool. The monsoons hadn't moved in yet. So I was like a kid in a candy shop. I mean, I would just get out in the woods and just go for it. It's like, ah, maybe I'll do three summits today, you know? So I just had a, had a blast up there. That looks and, amazing. And ticked yeah, off quite amazing. a few. That was over a couple months or a couple weeks or nine days, nine days. Oh, oh yeah. Right there on the slide. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then I had the left-hand pictures, what I had waiting for me every day. So, um, yeah, good times. So, Hey, Chris, what, what do you think are the biggest differences? I mean, you hike a lot in California and you hike a lot in the Alpine area. What's, What's the biggest differences in the way you approach, you know, hills in, in each state, or is it not really that different? Um, it, how I approach it isn't that much different. Um, I think the hikes that I've done really out here have been a lot farther. Um, but in Arizona, it's up in the White Mountains. Walking on on the forest floor where it's nice and cushy, I can do that for 20 miles, no, no problem out here where I'm in San Diego, SoCal area, really super hard packed trails. Uh, a lot of times it's just solid granite rock and uh, it's really pounding. And in my opinion, it's, it's not nearly as pretty, but I have a, you know, I have an emotional attachment to this country. Uh, I grew up in the uh, Eastern uh, Northeastern section there and that's kind of my backyard. So that's a, that's a non-answer. But this this picture right here is really why, you know, the other reason why I do soda is getting outside. Some of the stuff you see out, you know, mama and her two doe one one morning, and it's like you, you just can't beat it. Yeah, yeah, I, and especially in the Alpine area, I saw a lot of wildlife, and it was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and driving, um, boy, this year I went on a hike uh, down toward uh, Hannigan Meadow. <coughs> And you leave early in the morning and you really got to drive slow because there's elk, deer, um, turkey. We saw everything that morning. It was, it was wow. crazy. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. So back to my, my background here. Oh, we're there. Yeah. That's one of the nicest mountains right there, especially in the spring when it's all so green up up there. It's just an incredible view. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you guys know that the uh, that movie Free Solo was really about soda? No, I didn't know. How yeah. is that? How the, is that? It, some people say it's about it's a love story, but really, see the see the radio Alex has on his belt here. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> hmm, it's kind of big. <laughs> Well, you know, that guy's, he's, he's a monster. Yeah. Well, you know, Chris, I went through all my list of questions that I had for you and you hit every one of them. Sweet. You, only th well, almost everyone. The one that I actually popped in my mind that wasn't on my list, but I wanted to ask you 
and uh, I should have asked it when we were talking about it, but I wanted to circle back around. And then uh, Brian and Dan, you know, go ahead and ask as well, and then we'll uh, we'll uh, see what uh, uh, what else there is, and then we'll move on to some other topics. But uh, I wanted to find out what apps do you use on your phone? Oh, good question. So um, I've got so to go. I have an iPhone for one, so that generally drives different choices. But um, I've got SodaGoat on there, which is, it's a great all around app for checking for spots. Um, you can set up your own spot and alerts. Um, I found doing alerts on there is really easy. For navigation, I use uh, Gaia GPS and AllTrails. I wrote a big article. I just switched over to Gaia GPS. I wrote a pretty big article comparing the two on hamninja.com slash Gaia. I believe is the URL. And um, then the last app that I use is a logging app called um, OutD, O-U-T-D. It's kind of a weird yeah. name. And I think it was, uh, it was written by a European guy. But I had been using um, Hamlogger, I believe it right. was, for iOS. And I switched to OutD for a whole bunch of reasons. So I wrote an article on that as well uh, to kind of compare the two and why. And, I'll have um, to catch that. I, I was. I'm curious on on OutD. Is there a place for Summit to Summit on that one? Oh yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Totally. And what's really cool about it, Charlie, is if you have service, you can just slide to the right. <clears throat> it'll list all the current spots. If you click and hold, it basically moves the QSO into the log with everything except the signal report. Wow, that's great. I'm gonna have to so, try that one. Yeah. Totally. Boom. You're done. It exports ADIF. Um, you can suck that into your ham log at home. I mean, whatever logging app you have, I use AC log. Um, and then you can upload the ADIF file that comes out of it. I, I don't think you can upload directly, but it's not a feature that I need. Yeah. So I really, really like it. And it solved, my biggest issue was with uh, ham log is there was no place to put the soda summit. So when you had a multi-summit day, and this is when I was on that nine day trip. Um, I was going crazy because I'd have to download the whole log and then I'd break it apart by time and then um, did some editing to throw the log, excuse me, the summit ID into that section so that I could upload all the logs. Yeah, yeah, ham, ham log, my opinion, I've, I've used it a couple of times. It's, it's difficult to use uh, yeah, for soda. I know. I used it for a long time, but on a on a multi summit day, I was going crazy. Yeah. So, what about Brian or Dan? So, uh, believe it or not, he's got Dan. So, OutD works a lot better for for the logging on the summits. I I always worry that I won't be able to type them in fast enough and, and yeah, stuff it, on my phone. It does, and I'm I'm used to doing it now. But what I did is I also installed another keyboard called Typefinity um, and it puts a top layer of numbers. So there's no screwing around trying to get to oh, the numbers and, and back and forth. I know the Google keyboard does that, but I've had some problems where you, if, if you, you press too long on a, on a letter and it gives you the number and it gets rid of all of that. So if you install Typefinity, then you're pretty much good to go. Mm, good tip, Typefinity. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a bonus. Do you have something, Brian? Good, Brian. Did you have anything? 
No, so now for well, I was it for me covered most of the, most of what I would normally ask as far as stuff goes. Yeah, into the I my one of my favorite questions I always ask people is the evolution of your gear because we always start out carrying way too much, and then <laughs> and then pare it down from there. <laughs> always, you know, I I haven't spoken to anybody yet on here that was like, oh yeah, I had it figured out from day one. Everybody's like, oh you know, what started out at fifty pounds, now I'm down to X. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is that's me. a good one. And, and- <laughs> That's kind of like the evolution of backpacks too, because I went through an evolution of different backpacks. I thought those kind of military style ones with the the Molly system on them were really cool. Yeah. What's amazing is how poorly um, constructed they are because they just they disintegrate. Oh yeah. Well, they're not they're not ergonomic either at all. They're usually not comfortable in any way, shape, or form. They're not they're, designed to, to distribute the load well. They're just they look cool. And that's about all they really do. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just completely amazed at how well the Gregory pack. Um, I use Gregory a lot of guys, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of good ones out there, but yeah, that thing has put there's nothing I mean that's I ripped maybe the side pocket. That thing is incredible, not a not a problem with it. And of course I went through the the fifty pound pack and then yeah. I was running hundred watts for about a year. So you got the bigger battery, you got the bigger antennas, I mean everything's bigger and heavier. I dropped down to the KX2 with the K6AR K antenna. That yeah. was nine pounds out mm-hmm. of the pack right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the you know, that's the thing. I, I started out with um I uh, using an actual buddy pole, less the tripod on the bottom, and then at an eight seventeen and a seal lead acid battery and a bunch of other things that the, that pack weighed 38 pounds on a, oh, on a good wow. day unless i was if i was carrying a lot of water to be even more now wow. i'm down to 23 pounds um for what i would consider a hike with with some that's remote where i'm carrying extra gear to make sure i you know if something goes wrong i could survive for a few days and it's it's pared down a lot and and the the yeah i have an 817 and I do take it with me when I think I'm going to need the microphone or when it's going to be a v- there's going to be um, like a contest VHF UHF contest where I want the two meters and, and 440 uh, sideband capabilities. But I my primary rig now for soda is a UKITS HB1B just because I'm spoiled by the size and the weight. And I switched over to a, a linked dipole, I think activation number 23 or 24, and I've never looked back. It's uh, been that with with a couple different versions now of the of the the two different versions of the center of the center pole but it's a it's a home run antenna made out of junk wire and um some plastic uh pieces and automotive uh blade connectors and some rg 173 or 174 and it's been working like a champ ever since Mm. yeah i I still don't weigh mine just because it's better for me not to know (laughs) well well, dan this is coming this is coming from the guy that used to that I think you probably needed a forklift to get that pack on your back when you were still carrying the 817 because you had what, like, I think I get deep cycle marine battery in there, a 2000 watt solar panel and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a Henry KW, I think was what it was, right? Or something along those lines. Well, and lunch, you know, you got to have that too. Well, yeah, yeah. well that, I mean, and, and the food, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go back real quick. Uh, Kyle, uh, AA0Z, um, was wondering about well, he didn't necessarily ask it. He said he was going to find out himself. But do you know offhand, uh, Christian, if uh, it does POTA, if uh, OutD does POTA parks on the air? You know, I'm not positive. I used it to do POTA, and I don't think it specifically has a field and export for that. <clears throat> but I use an editor to basically tweak the output and upload it. Yeah. 
but I've only done POTA once. Um, and uploading logs is, it, it's a real challenge. I mean, if, it'd be great yeah. if once those guys get instrumented the way the SOTA guys have done, they'll be right. They, they are they, working they on that. There's, yeah. They have they started a beta of that. So it's supposed to be uploadable in the near future, which would really be great for the, the POTA guys. Yeah. Yeah, they, they need an, inter an interface because a lot of the summits that we do usually cross uh, cross pollinate into the, uh, the the Poda world. But afterward, you got to the log has to be titled a certain way, and you got to email it to somebody. And it takes a little while for me to get around to doing that sometimes. But I try I try to do both, and I've actually noticed uh, from the the spotting side of things, I put alerts up on the uh, Poda page if I'm going to be activating in in an area that qualifies for Poda, and I, I I'm starting to see new call signs that I don't recognize popping up when I'm activating. So I, I, I'm sure that they're POTA people that are, that are coming over. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've All never right. done that. What do you say we switch gears for a minute? Let's do it. All right. Once again, Chris, thank you so much for being on. I, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here. Let's, uh, hopefully you'll join us in some of the other things we have to talk about today. Uh, let's see. I wanted to talk about the change that the uh, W7A. Uh, what do you want to call it? It's it's the uh, it's, we had a bunch of peaks added to the W7A Association. I don't know what the, that's called. The, I'd call it the expansion or the rezoning of the W7A arm by the uh, the mothership in uh, in the UK. Okay, uh, that's probably more or less what it is. Cool. Maybe you. I'm going to start off with kind of what's ha what happened and what we have, and please uh, interject if you have more information. So I guess apparently when Arizona, the Arizona Association WSMA was first created, uh, they used the 492 feet uh, prominence. Is that right? So the so it was 150 feet meters is what we're supposed to go with, and and in the United States. Uh, it was 492 and it should have been 500 so there's a i guess some some eight feet in there or 10 feet or whatever i don't know there's a there's a few feet that were overlooked the first time because they used the wrong measurement of prominence and so finally that's, it'd be 492 charlie 492 yeah yeah so that's what we used it initially and it was supposed to be five i guess or the other way around or yeah, something like that uh so anyway we added about uh, 167 new peaks most of them are inaccessible or very hard to get to, but there's a few that are the opposite of that. Uh, we'll be talking about actually two of them probably today, uh, new ones. And uh, so I just wanted to kind of mention that they, they, they used the list of Johns and some of the peaks were um, changed. Let me actually pull this over real quick and hopefully you guys can see that. And that's, that's a kind of a picture of all the new peaks that are in Arizona, you can kind of see. And over here, you'll see that some of these peaks were deleted. We had a few that were deleted or moved, and then a bunch that were added. And so um, today we wanted to talk a little bit about one or two of those peaks, but also just kind of wanted to mention that there's that change that took place in, in uh, Arizona in case people didn't know. So any any other comments on, on that, Brian or Dan or Chris? Yeah, I want you to designate the peak behind my house up there as the summit. Uh, no no i'm good i okay. got i said i got the photos to share for the uh the new one okay let me do i was i was going to do this one on our two weeks ago so let me do this one and get this one since it's since i i uh uh didn't get to do it last time 
Uh, let me share my screen and we'll go with this and wow let's see all right can you see that i hope yeah, that, that 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 summit was great charlie <laughs> smart you got a good shot of me out there yeah um so you'll see right here in this video this is uh, th this video is called Turk's Head, uh, or this uh, summit is called Turk's Head. This is on the way there. You'll see in the background here, this is in Arizona. This is actually looking towards the Phoenix metro area. Uh, it looked like it was a far off, uh, uh, you know, weather, and there wasn't really any, any wet. It was a 10% chance of rain. So I'm just kind of hiking along, and, and, it, and you can see it's just kind of out there in the distance. And, it, and if you look, you know, anywhere else, it's clear skies, blue, you know, Nothing going on. That's Turk's head right there, where my arrow is, right over here. So, let me pull in the next video. If I can. And, show you that one. Starting to rain. Starting to rain. Doesn't look like it'll last long, but I might get might get kind of wet. I'm almost up on this ridge line here and then it'll it'll level out a little bit. Ooh, lightning. I'm going to sit down on a rock here and wait till this passes. I don't think I need to go down because this is gonna pass over real quick, but hot lightning made me nervous. All right, then we'll go to this next picture, which is me on top, getting up there. This is a great picture here. Let me just kind of fast forward. You can see off in the distance, there's a bunch of lightning. Needless to say, it was really windy up there. Uh, maybe I'll share one more on top of Turk's Head. Just a spectacular view. Uh, right down there behind me, right down in this area here is pretty much where you'd have to set up. I didn't, I didn't do HF on this peak because of the weather and a few other factors. There was people coming and it was just kind of a, a hurried thing, but uh, just wanted to share that and uh, you know, get your thoughts on on that summit as far as, first of all, weather. Uh, you saw what I encountered there. What are your thoughts on weather when it comes to summits on the air? Lightning. That scares the heck out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, a storm up in the, the, um, first time I actually did Baker Butte that was kind of, of tailing me around the area up there. And I was on top of Jones mountain and it came out of nowhere and ended up dumping an inch of hail on top of the mountain. I actually abandoned the antenna and half my gear up there, ran down the halfway down the hill and buried myself in between some rocks, hoping that nothing uh, would happen. Yeah. See, this is the closest that lightning has gotten to me, and it really did make me nervous. It was just an isolated cell, and, and it went over, and I was right. But, uh, yeah, it's, you got to be careful. And, and uh, I, I, you know, it was way off in the distance, and all of a sudden it just came right up and, and uh, got me. You, you never know what's going to happen. So... I do, I worked for the, the scouts, the Boy Scouts for many years, and uh, 
they pretty much say there's really nothing you can do to avoid lightning and, and it really not much helps other than don't want to be near other people just so that you're not all struck by lightning all at the same time. But uh, you just kind of spread out and then stand on the balls of your feet. But even that doesn't uncover your ears, but even that really doesn't help that much. But uh, not much you can do except for de-elevate, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in New Mexico and there was a, a small thunderstorm to the east from your west of me. It was about a mile or two away. But there was so much static in the air. I was literally getting shocked by my antenna as I set it up. So when that happened, um, I took it down quickly, got off the summit, and then just sat on the road below. I didn't want to be the tallest thing. Yeah. So that's that. I think that's the number one thing. Just don't be the tallest thing out there. Yeah. I've been uh, caught in some of these lightning storms in Wyoming, Utah, and Arizona, and for me it seems like in arizona that they pop up and sneak up on you a lot more than in other places other places you seem to get a a, a warning that's you know you've got a thunderhead coming across but in arizona for some reason they just seem to pop up almost instantaneously is what i've noticed yeah yeah for sure we had i had that um the, the needle mountain that one that you did after me i saw that thing coming out in the distance and then the next thing i know it was on top of me i ended up bailing out of that mountain and going a different way down because i was you know worried it was going to be a rerun of jones mountain yeah i've watched it move in and, and you know brian they, we as a pilot we typically try to stay at least three miles away from them right uh yeah or or more i'm, I'm yeah. when it comes to thunderstorms i've flown around some pretty nasty weather down in the uh in you know in the southeast which that's the the king of the the real thunderstorms and <laughs> yeah no far farther the better i've i've been in 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 severe turbulence once and i don't ever want to do that again yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts. Needless to say, anybody who's watching or will watch this, just be really careful when it comes to thunderstorms and lightning. You know, we don't, as far as I know, there's not ever been a death from, from somebody doing soda being struck by lightning. It could have happened. I, as far as I know, that's not ever happened, but we don't want it to happen either. So just be careful out there. Uh, yeah. You don't do it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Malin says lightning can travel five kilometers horizontally, which is insane. Yeah. And uh, so, all right, uh, Brian, why don't you take the next one? So I'm going to talk about the one uh, that Charlie actually did it first, and I uh, I ended up going second. So Charlie, I got screen sharing, right? Yeah, I think so. All right, let me bring it up here, and we're going to go screen two and share. And did that show up? Yeah, it did. Yep. All right, so this is actually up on the summit, looking down, and that's my ugly mug, and that's actually the summit itself from a different part of Pinnell Peak. So if um, you're looking at my pointer. That's the actual summit right there. And that's my uh, little setup up there. It's a great summit. For us, it's a fairly easy one as far as hike is concerned. It's it's not a drive up, but it's not one that you're going to be huffing and puffing. And if you want to carry the 50-pound pack up there, you probably could. Or just do two trips with a 25-pounder. Um, it's definitely a hangout all day kind of summit. And just enjoy the place. The views are fantastic. Um it's just nice and peaceful and quiet. I was talking for, for VHF back into the Valley. I think I was able to work everybody that I wanted to work um, with a roll-up J-Pole. And um, yeah, you just hung out. I had, I think I said 52 contacts altogether um, between uh, two meters FM and two meter and 20 and 40 CW. And uh, 
had one DX with France and worked up and down the East Coast. So it was uh it was a it was a good day, really good day. And for me, it was a good test because based on the reports I got from Charlie, it was something that I felt I could safely go up with my uh my my current limited uh um dexterity because of my uh my arm that I'm recovering from the injury on. That was nice. It was just a, a really all around good summit. Um, easy to set up, comfortable, peaceful. Not much in the way of people or pe- people noise of any kind. In fact, it was dead quiet up there. I didn't see any critters at all, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I'm amazed at uh, how forested it is. Um, I wasn't expecting that. So I'm really looking forward to doing that this upcoming weekend. It yeah. looks like a fantastic hill to spend some time on. Yeah, I was telling my wife that it'd be a good place for us to do one of those. Let's get out of town for a night or two, grab the the off road you know trailer and, and go up there and set up because there's a few spots I think where we could safely pull off the road and yeah, there's and, there's you know, good be camping out of up everything there. and be up in the trees, you know. And, and it's not it's not one of those areas where there's going to be the um, the side by sides going by every thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's be a little bit easier than trying to get some of the spots, you know, on the way up to Pinal or something like that. That gets a lot more traffic. Let me just pull this up and show right, everybody. Back, back to you guys. All right. Yeah, let me just show everybody where that peak is. So here's Globe right here. And, you know, the Valley of the Sun is right in here. So it's just directly east. And uh, you take, you hit Globe and, you, and then uh, you take these, these dirt roads here off of Globe up into... Uh, see so here's Pinal. So you just take this road over here. It's just this peak right here. It's it's pretty cool. And the, and the walk is it's, it's like 0. 0.2 miles or something. So <laughs> it's it's pretty easy. That's super easy. Yeah. All right. I think we have one more topic we have time for. Why don't we talk about this uh, this other thing that Brian and and Dan both saw this story that they wanted to share, which I think is gonna be pretty cool. And then so, we'll uh, real quick, and then we'll put like the Bigelow pictures and some of the other stuff that we talked about. We'll bring that up next time. Okay. Yeah. So as I, Dan and I both saw this this uh, post on the Soto um, reflector about uh, the landmine map for Bosnia, and I was like, yeah, you know, we don't have that problem here in Arizona, but we've got other problems. And one of the things that I was going to bring up um, for us, and it actually you know, it's a it's a real thing. It did happen here. We have uh, military operation areas or MOAs, and they're basically big boxes in the sky where the military does training. Um, and they they it's it's an area that it's not prohibited for other aircraft to fly through, uh, but it's recommended that you don't. And they they're carrying things. Sometimes they're they're usually not carrying ordnance, but they might be carrying flares and stuff like that. And and one of the things that happened here in Arizona is about a year, maybe it was two years ago, down in the Safford area, a woman was out hiking and found a flare didn't know what it was uh poked it with a knife and let it off and she suffered second and third degree burns all over the front of her body from the flare when it activated and ended up in the in the burn center here in phoenix and probably had a fairly long recovery but it was found she found it while she was out hiking and we hike in a lot of areas here in arizona where these moas are up overhead and things can fall off planes so if you see something don't touch it especially if it if it looks uh you know, but look, if it looks like it could be questionable, the other thing that we've got going on um, and stories, you know, I, I have a friend of mine sent me pictures of a cache that he found up on top of a mountain south of uh, I-8, which is down toward Tucson. And it's in one of the corridors where a lot of the um, uh, entrepreneurs like to traffic their product through um, <laughs> into the States. And he sent me a picture asking me what I thought it was. And most of what was there was stuff that looked like um, 
surplus radio equipment that was purchased and repurposed by uh, said individuals and was might have been one of the uh, um, observation posts that we hear a lot about for the, um, the entrepreneurs to use to make sure that somebody does not disrupt their business. And that's another another problem or a danger that you can run into um, yeah. on top of summits out here that, that you don't really think about because, you know, most everybody thinks it's, it's a good place to go. Let's go hiking. And sometimes there's people there that don't want you there. So for people in the Midwest and the Northeast, uh, he's talking about illegal immigration and the danger of uh, people who are doing that and uh, as a business. And, and it's almost like the drug cartel in a way, as far as the danger involved, they don't want to get caught. And so you don't want to get messed up with the, with those entrepreneurs. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, Best way to deal with that is just to move on. You know, most all of us carry GPS to mark the spot. So, you know, you can, you know, inform the authorities about exactly where you saw it, which is, really handy with the GPS, but uh, best thing to do is just leave it alone and move on. Yeah, the, um, not sorry, I lost my train of thought, it'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> the train pulled out. Yeah, the train pulled out. It's uh, still uh, getting through the day. <laughs> well, I think we're getting close to that time. Uh, so yeah, if it doesn't come back in the next few minutes, Brian, that's okay. But uh, that's okay. I think we need to, to We'll do a few announcements that we were talking about, and then we'll uh, uh, give Chris a thanks one more time, and then we'll uh, wrap it up. So uh, Dan has a few things he wanted to mention, and then I have a couple, and we'll call it good. Uh, I guess the two items. Uh, number one, um, I finally uh, completed my uh, QSL cards uh, from my uh, goat day, so be watching for those. Those of you who got me on my goat hill. Um, and then on December 1st, I'll be uh, talking with the uh, SoCal group uh, during their meeting about uh, my little journey uh, to uh, Soda Goat. So that should be fun. Cool. All right. And then I uh, wanted to mention that uh, in two weeks for our next uh, live stream, we're going to have um, Joyce, K0JJW, it's Joyce, Joyce White, on who recently received uh, received her award for Mountain Goat, and we're gonna have her husband on at the same time. That's his name's Bob White, and uh, Bob was the gentleman I was talking about before, K0NR, and so the two of them will be on our live stream in two weeks. So you won't want to miss that. And then uh, in two weeks, so that's at five o'clock Arizona time in two weeks, and then the, an hour after that at six o'clock Arizona time. I'll be on Ham Radio 2.0 as an interviewee and a guest on that. And so you might want to just uh, plan on sticking around for that and watching that one as well. So uh, I think that's it as far as my announcements go. And uh, so again, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you, uh, you were a great interviewer, interviewee. Uh, you, uh, you had interesting slides and a, and a great contribution. We appreciate you being here. And yeah. I got uh, one one announcement as well. Okay. Um, I've got two uh, presentations coming up for the ARL Learning Network. Um, one of them is going to be on antennas uh, for soda, and the other one will be on uh, VHF, UHF contesting and summits on the air and why they're made pretty much made for each other. That one will probably become, should be um, up before the uh, January contest. That's what I'm trying to dovetail it into for to, to highlight the efforts that we put through here in Arizona for the, the June, for the January contest. Cool. 
All right, well, we're gonna call it good then. Thank you everybody for being here uh, in the chat room. Thanks for your discussion in the chat room. Thank you everybody in the Zoom for uh, being here and, and we'll uh, catch you on the next one then. See you later, everybody. See you guys. Later, everybody.